Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. I've had the privilege of meeting more and more friends of Back to the Bible Canada throughout this past year, and the one common denominator that I hear is their love for the Bible and their deep desire to understand the very real and relevant implications of the Word of God for their lives. Faith does come through hearing the Word of God, life-changing, eternity-changing faith. And that's why, well, we teach the Bible. If you're a supporter of this ministry, thank you. Or if you listen and this ministry has impacted your life, we're so blessed. But in either case, would you help us this June as we strive to reach our fiscal year-end goal? Your gift makes such a difference as together we teach the Bible. Call us today, would you, at 1-800-663-2425 or visit the website at backtothebible.ca. Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, today we continue our interview series with Pastor Ray Duick. Dr. John Newfeld will be interviewing him in our continuing series, The Whole Gospel for the Whole World. Dr. John Newfeld here, and it's a delight today to have a very special guest in studio. His name is Pastor Ray Duick, and Ray and I have worked together for a lot of years already. Ray, uh, welcome here. It's a delight to have you in studio. Thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be here as well and to see uh, what God is doing through this ministry. It's an exciting thing. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Ray, you and I uh, worked together in pastoral ministry for 15 years, and you served as the director of uh, prayer and care ministry. I was a senior pastor at the time, and, and uh, together our ministry kind of melted together, and I think we became good friends during that time as well. Yeah, we did. It was, uh, it was fun and an honor and a joy to serve together and to see what God would do through our ministries. Now, Care and prayer is really an important area for any local church, but in your case, there's something very personal that happened to you, and that really happened before I met you, but it was ongoing, and uh, I, I watched you go through that. Why don't you share with us what happened to you personally, and why care and prayer is such a personal thing for you? Yeah, in uh, 1978, my kidneys started to fail, and so in 1979, I received a kidney transplant from my brother. There were a lot of problems that came as a result of that transplant, and I spent 90 days in the hospital with that transplant. And during that time, my wife, uh, with three children that were younger, tried to maintain uh, a household without my presence there. And uh, she received a lot of help through the local church that we were part of. How critical that became to just her sanity, her trying to keep up with things. She would come to visit and the kids would often do their homework on the bed next to me. But I really struggled with health issues. I had three subsequent surgeries through that transplant. And then in, in uh, 1983, thereabouts, that kidney failed uh, due to toxicity from the drugs that I was taking. So I was back on dialysis and then I got another transplant and that lasted another four years with subsequent problems. But in 2003, I received a kidney from my wife. In all of these different transplants, the church became very critical 
in being part of my recovery. Without, without people ministering to us, it would have been almost impossible to get through. I remember people would, would come and mow my lawn. My freezer was always full, and a dear lady named Amy organized a group of, of people who would cook for us. And so my wife would just go to the fridge and take out whatever meal had been brought, and it was there as the good, glorious ministry of these kind people that had come by, and she gave them strict instructions. No visiting, just drop the food off in the freezer and and care for the family that way. And so for at least, I would say, nine months, we had food that was prepared. It wasn't spicy. It was just to be very, uh, very bland in some ways because of my diet restrictions, and that's how they cared for us. What a blessing people were in my life as they looked after us. And so that became a very important part of, of who I became in ministering to other people. I had experienced the love and the care from others. Now I gave that back. And so I could understand what it's like to lie in a hospital bed looking up at someone else who's come to minister to me. And now I now am ministering to others. And so it changed my whole perspective on yeah. why and how and, and what I wanted to do in those visits. Yeah, you know, I have a memory of you. I mean, you had gone, you know, through that last kidney transplant when I knew you, and I watched you on, on kidney dialysis. You were, you know, you were doing ministry while you were in kidney dialysis. I remember having a conversation with you, Pastor Ray, and, and the conversation went something like this. You said to me, I don't really like hospitals at all. Right. You remember that conversation. Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting conversation because you who hated hospitals, you'd spent so much time there. God had called you back to the very place that you didn't like. That's right. The smells, the instruments, the curtains, the wards, the sounds. It, In fact, it took me probably six months before I could drive down the same road that I used to drive down to get dialysis at the hospital. Uh, and so I would take different routes to the Vancouver General Hospital where I had my transplant and my dialysis as well because of just the association of the smells and, and the sounds and the road and, and so on. But, uh, you know, you overcome that, right? And uh, that's wonderful. And you do take on a totally different persona in many ways because of those experiences. But it deepens you. So, yeah, that's the question I want to ask you. You talk about it deepening you because, you know, when I think about what, what God has done through you, I mean, God called you back to that very place. Is there a preparation? I mean, do you see the sovereignty of God somehow involved in this? Is, is there something that you were able to do in the hospital that maybe you could not have done had you not spent so much time there? Oh, most certainly. And it takes a while, I think, for, for anyone going through a crisis to, to really say this is from God's hand because you see that blossom in your life. So as time progresses, you become better at recognizing those signs that God gives you that I was part of this in your life. This is not a waste. Uh, there was nothing I did physically to, to have this come upon me. And so I always wanted to give God glory, but it is difficult when you're fresh at that experience. Yeah. But to have patients then respond once they started to know my story, where I'd give little hints uh, of time spent in the hospital, that they would really gather around me to try and find out, how did you cope? And some would, would say, if you as a pastor 
I had this sickness. I'm really going to get it because of my life. And we'd kind of <laughs> chuckle about that. But I would assure them, no, it's not God's punishment so often. It, it can be, but not as often as we think. Right. It is just God that now wants to come. This has happened. Now will, how will you respond? And that became my my kind of word to them. So now a sickness has befallen you. How will you respond? Will you respond toward what God is wanting to do? Or will you become with anger? Will you respond with anger or with bitterness or with with isolation? Or will you allow God now to, to work through this to become what God wants you to become? And uh, that became a very important part of that story in my own life. You know, Pastor Ray, I'm going to now take you, we're going to just move a little bit. I mean, you've talked about ministering to people in hospitals, but your ministry, of course, was so much larger than that. I mean, you also dealt with people at every point of need. And I mean, you've already given away part of what who you are. You're always ministering the gospel at every point of need. But your ministry also included a ministry to the poor. And uh, talk a little bit about what you did as uh, you ministered to the poor, because I mean, we had a church in an area where there were a lot of individuals who were looking for handouts, for food, uh, for all sorts of things, and uh, you began to organize something. Yeah, we as a church um, kind of struggled or made our way through what's the philosophy of the poor, and, and we kind of divided it into two streams with those that were part of our church and those that just would show up possibly the transients or those that that you didn't really connect with. The reason we divided into two segments was that the believers in the church would often respond differently to help, uh, would be more responsible, whereas the transient or those that you would just see once in a while uh, would would or or would more likely be uh, misusing funds, and so as being responsible to the elders of the congregation for funds used, uh, I wanted to be very careful in how funds would be used, and so we developed a, a system of how to help people that would just show up uh, in our church. They would knock on our doors, or they would just show up at the lobby with the secretary. How can we help these people effectively? So just to cut in here again, you were never satisfied simply to say, we'll just hand out food and let you go. That was the easiest thing to do yeah. because now you're not engaging people. The person has come and said, I've, I need food, but I recognize they needed a lot more than just food yeah. because tomorrow they'd be hungry again. And so we'd again have to feed them. Uh, we wanted to help them with an everlasting program or something that would last much longer. Uh, we said the church is not just here to hand out food Our our as a church, its goal is to evangelize, to share the gospel. That's the most precious resource that we could give. And so everyone that came, I would tell my staff or whoever dealt with them, volunteers, everyone that comes for food, you need to pray with them at least. So at the least you're praying with them, but you're also recognizing that God has brought those people there. And this is an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Very important. Yeah. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, we would we would ask those people if they if you want to come back for more help, you now need to attend the service or you need to in some way engage with us so that we can minister to each other uh, through what's happening in your life, but us as well with you. Yeah, when we come back, now we're gonna talk about more of that because I know that what you did is that you made sure that you had everybody's name, you had their address, you had all sorts of personal information, and you began to collect that personal information because I know that you wanted to use that uh, to reach out to them. So when we come back, we're gonna talk about how giving out food can be a, a springboard to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ.
Our second month of our Truth and Life Today video series continues to engage important issues of faith and Christian living. In the episodes to come, we'll do no less. Issues like the role of the person of the Holy Spirit, biblical inerrancy, prophecy, tongues, universalism, and hell. These are all questions driven by viewers and questions that demand answers. So join us each week on Truth and Life Today at backtothebible.ca or on our Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel, iTunes, or Facebook. And make sure to ask your questions by visiting backtothebible.ca and click on the Truth and Life Today link. Truth and Life Today, another way Back to the Bible Canada is striving to help you walk closer to Jesus through the teaching of the Bible, because that's what we do. We teach the Bible. For more information or to support all the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca or call us at 1-800-663-2425. Hi, I'm back with Pastor Ray Duick, and Ray and I served together for 15 years. He's been in pastoral ministry at least as long as I have, I think, and probably longer, Pastor Ray. Um, but, You're giving my age away. Yes, I am. <laughs> but uh, when we left off, uh, we wanted to say something about the opportunity that individuals who said, you know, I haven't got enough to eat tonight, and uh, you had stocked an entire kitchen downstairs in which you made sure that people were given food, but you also collected information from people. You knew what their addresses were. You, you knew their names. And what did you do with that information? Yeah, that information became very critical. Now, for some transients, it was more difficult to find out exactly where they lived. Some lived under bridges. Some lived on the back of an abandoned building or wherever they would be. But regardless, we would try to find out where their last place of sleep was because that would determine on what we would give them. It's, it's foolish to give them a can of soup if they don't have a can opener, for example. And so what and where they lived became very critical. And so we would collect information. I believe we had around 330 uh, that we would have as an active group that would be coming uh, for some help. So 330 people that would come for food. That's right. Was on your list. That's right. Okay, that's quite a considerable group. And we would go through that list uh, periodically to make sure it was updated on addresses because, again, the transient nature of it. And depending on how transient they were, we would help them in different ways. And so that became very important when when someone comes and we would look at their file uh, on what help we'd given them in the past and the conversations we had regarding their relationship with Christ, what kind of background they had religious-wise, and if they didn't have a Bible, we would give them a Bible. At first, we'd just give them the Gospel of John because often they couldn't carry a lot or we wanted to make sure they didn't just toss it after the help we'd given them. So depending on their interest in the Gospel or their interest in church, is what they called it, we would then give them appropriate help. And uh, that's where Scripture is so good to guide us. Where in Ephesians it says, give encouragement such as is fitting for the moment. Uh-huh. We would want to give them encouragement as fit their need. And always the basic, if we gave them anything, we would always give them gospel, something of Jesus Christ, something of scripture, a prayer, an encouragement. And then when we'd give them groceries, we'd always say, this is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to give you this, not because of some badness that's befallen you or some evil that's befallen you, but rather because the love of Christ constrains us, wants us to help you in some way. We would try not to shame them, but rather to encourage them. And, you know, people are homeless or poor for multiple reasons. And so we would try to help them. If it was a job that they needed, we'd try to connect them with someone who had a job, maybe construction, picking up 
lumber or whatever it would be, but always with the name of Jesus Christ yeah, attached and, to and it. Yeah, I know that you'd often try it as well, you know, connect them with Christian employers to, we want to bring them in the Christian orb. Now, I know that also at Christmas time and Easter, you used those names again. Right. Because this was another opportunity to connect. What did you do those times? What we do is we would put together at Christmas time, we would use that list and we would put together Christmas hampers. Uh, the Christmas hampers would be uh, cooked turkey. So you'd the, show up with Christmas hampers. Yeah. And all the food and stuffings and, and if they were toys. I know that you had yep. added toys with them too That's for right. anyone that had kids. But you did more than that. You didn't just hand out food. What else did you do? In those packets or in that hamper would be, again, the gospel message. There'd be a video because some would struggle with reading or maybe it was a language issue. We'd give them a video of Jesus Christ. We'd give them information. We'd give them contacts back to the church and appropriate help again. If they struggled with addictions, we again would try to connect them with those agencies that had expertise in that area. Yeah, because I've had an interview just now with the director of Wagner Hills, and I know that you connected people with Wagner Hills, which, uh, which is a wonderful place to go as, a, as somebody who, who needs to have freedom from addiction, but at the same time, you need the gospel That's of right. Jesus. And so we'd make sure that any organization that we referred people to was connected to the gospel, or their purpose as well was to give out the gospel of Jesus Christ as part of that recovery program, which became such a fundamental thing. Uh, in our ministry to make sure that the gospel always went with the food, always with the help that we gave. Now, I think that uh, you did something else because we would regularly serve meals um, at the church that you and I uh, were ministering in. And you, I think you also gave, um, they could come back and get a free meal. That's right. But they would also attend a worship service. So you're trying to bring them into the orb of God's people so they can hear the gospel. Uh, Ray, you've been an example to me to say that you can't just minister to someone's physical needs, but you need to also minister to their spiritual needs. Uh, Ray, let's move to another area that you were involved in, and it had to do with crises around the world. And uh, I know that uh, there were three crises that specifically I remember you ministering to, and uh, let's talk about them one at a time. There was a tsunami in Japan a number of years ago. You'll remember that. Um, and uh, so we as a church struggled. I mean, how do we respond? I'm sure that churches all across the country did the same thing. But as you thought, as you prayed, as you planned for the church to respond, talk about some of the things that you wanted to make sure that would happen. Yeah, I, I remember hearing the, the awful news of what happened there. And, and right away, you start thinking, how can we help? And the easiest thing would be to just to, to send to some government agency uh, or a gift some, some, uh, in some other way like that. But again, I thought, how would this connect or forward the gospel? How would this forward the mission of the church in Japan? This would be an opportunity now that we could use or that Christ could use to bring the gospel, but not just the gospel, also relief. And so uh, we looked for a church, and we had some contacts through our our ministries at Willingdon, um, where um, a person had come from Japan. And so we asked them, is there a church close to the, the earthquake center that would be effective in not only dispensing monies or relief that would be appropriate to that situation, but also would be very active in giving out the gospel message? And that became such an effective tool then where people would come to that church, receive uh, 
assistance physically, whether it was water or food or blankets or some kind of shelter that they would have organized, and then they would also share the gospel. This is why we're doing this. We're partnering with the church back in Canada, or however they phrased it, and this is the funds released now to you, and they're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is a really fascinating thing because it does a number of things. Now, if I recall the, the, the Japanese situation, I believe that the federal government in Canada was providing matching funds if you gave through a Canadian agency, uh, and I don't believe that we got those matching funds, or did we? Uh, not in that situation, yeah, we didn't. So we didn't get matching funds. However, and I think that's the point I'm wanting to make, that even though we didn't get matching funds, we multiplied our effectiveness in a way in which matching funds could never have done so. Correct. So the idea is that you never just minister to a catastrophe, to a disaster, but you minister through the gospel so that the gospel and the caring for need. So that church ended up, the one in Japan, ended up being put on the forefront because they would have resources they would not have had any other way. That's right. And so then a few years later, we sent a missionary team from the church to see how they had done. In some ways, a little bit of an accounting. Wow. Uh, how were these funds used? How effectively was it? Uh, we sent a video team with them, and uh, we wanted to see how this w- had worked out for them. How was the gospel shared? Was this a good way to do it? Because, again, we wanted to be responsible for the funds that were limited. How were they used effectively, and how could we learn to do it better next time? Which, again, happened uh, where there was an earthquake. And, uh, yeah, now there are two other situations in right. which you got involved in, and why don't you talk a little bit about those? Uh, the one was Haiti, and the other one was Philippines. And again, we used the same uh, strategy where is there a church that is effectively evangelistic, it believes in the gospel, and now can also distribute funds? And uh, so again, in both those situations, we found a, a church that was in the area, close again to the earthquake, wasn't directly affected, so they, they had their own buildings set up and they could be safe. But we then again sent funds to, to, through the Canadian agency this time, and uh, they then could dispense those gifts. And, uh, and what a wonderful uh, stories came out of those, those situations where you have stories of people coming with nothing, receiving blankets and water and uh, whatever else might be. I know we were involved with Samaritan's Purse and some of that mm-hmm. giving because that became the agency. But uh, again, how effectively that became a, sh- a weight and a platform to share the gospel message, which I believe is still going on today. Some of those contacts were made because that church, the reason we used churches was because they stayed there. They were there before the earthquake. They were there after the earthquake. And so today, those churches can still minister to those people because of our gifts. And what a great thing. Where relief organizations have left and gone to other countries, right. that church is still there, ministering to the poor, to the needy. And some of what we did, however small, changed the lives of people in that area. You know, if I put together everything that we've been talking about, we've been talking about caring for the least of these, that uh, Christ demands it of us, and it is an obligation of the local church. Um, you know, I've, I've been talking to agencies, but this is now the obligation of the local church. The local church always has ministry towards people that are in hospital, people that are shut-ins, that are at home. And we've always known that you share the gospel in those kind of circumstances. 
But Ray, you've opened up a door that every church has been involved in. Every church responds to crises. Mm -hmm. Every church responds to people who are poor and needy who walk through their front door and say, I haven't got a thing. And uh, what you're telling us is it's never enough to only deal with the surface. You've got to get down there and you've got to talk to the person who desperately needs Christ and what that actually does. Well, Pastor Ray, what a joy it's been to have you with us here, and uh, thank you so much for sharing that time. And I know that our ministry continues to go on. I know that you have done some work for us here at Back to the Bible Canada, and I know that you've answered some of the questions that have been written to me. So it feels wonderful to continue in ministry with a dear old friend that we've shared ministry for many years. Thank you for having been here today, Pastor Ray. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. 